Hello and good evening. My name is Josh and I'm joined as always by Aaron and Bob. We're the folks who get up and find the method of the madness. Reasoning the unreasonable makes sense out of nonsense because this is okay. Hear me out. And a quick reminder that we are on the Fediverse. Uh, again, that is OKHMO at pirateradio.social. Uh, again, OKHMO at pirateradio.social. I'll be posting, uh, continue to be posting clips, interacting with folks, and um, you know, just in representing the okay hear me out brand over there uh on the fediverse um aaron voicemail number uh voicemail sorry i got distracted i'll, I'll say it in a second i got distracted because i realized i was gonna have to say the voicemail number and then i realized at that moment that i should probably see if we actually had voicemails like we have three so we should just be do you want to just be surprised by them at the end yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. play. We'll play them at the end. Uh, if it's we'll anything surprised. too horrifying, we can always have Cabbage edit one out. <laughs> there, there's probably a Tucker Dixon one, and uh, the other two are probably car warranty ones. So, yeah. <laughs> car, car warranty was my favorite voicemail. I didn't. We should have just played it live. And be like, That's wow, this is, a, this is a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so voicemail. So if anyone wants to tell us about a car warranty and uh, some great deal we can get, sorry, go on. Upload those to the drive right now so I can have them prepped for the end of the show. I will, I will. Um, okay. Anyways, voicemail number is 1-833-666-0911. That's 1-833-666-0911. Speaking of which... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Speak of the devil. Finally, finally we're doing 9-11, which is basically conspiracy theories for kindergartners. If you think that 9-11 was just... Hey, I was in first board. grade when 9-11 happened, not kindergarten. Excuse you very much. <laughs> yeah, then you should have realized then that it was a fucking hoax. This is an No, I was uh, a year more programmed and a year more uh, susceptible then. So yeah. de definitely not. I have excuses always. <laughs> all right, Bob. So, you're the one that uh, did all this research. How, how are we going about this? What's, uh, what's your opening the, statements here? The most tragic day in American history. Well, I'm going to start. Where we start? No, no, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start the same way that that uh, Kevin started with the Antarctic episode, which we're going to start mostly with the facts. And these, like, I'm not going to get into like the Tower Seven stuff, uh, Osama bin Laden's like fake name or fake persona or his real name or real persona or or any like weird shit like that. Uh, I've been researching shit that has come directly from the 9/11 papers. The lawsuit against Saudi Arabia um, regarding the the families suing for uh, restitution from Saudi Arabia for their crime in their um, alleged involvement of 9-11. And the, an investigative journalist that started in, in such a simple way of looking into this entire incident. And it led into him being falsely charged with uh, several crimes <laughs> and being threatened uh, multiple times and pretty much uh, trying to be out. He was essentially outed for being a uh, anti-Semite because of the narrative that the story took, uh, took which was uh, essentially pointing its, its finger at Israel and Saudi Arabia. So I'm going to start well, good here. Thing we're all already outed as anti-Semites. So nobody yeah. can come attack <laughs> us further. Yeah. <laughs> So we're going to start here with uh, Christopher Bolin, Boylan, maybe. Uh, he is an investigative journalist. I believe he's out of um, California. He, he's actually, 
He graduated from my alma mater, University of California, Santa Cruz, uh, and has done some great work on the subject. And his work started, essentially, when he started researching. When, when people and first responders started dying and getting sick from the 9-11 attack and the dust particles that they were inhaling that, that entire time, they started getting sick and he started looking into that sickness. So what he found was that there was a there was thermite nanoparticles in the dust of the 9/11 rubble. Have you guys heard about this? Well, no, what what are thermite nanoparticles? Well, I don't Okay. So yeah, it's a nanothermite dust that that they detected in there. And so this came about when the first responders were trying to get coverage for their healthcare and restitution in, in that regard, because they were, they were being affected in a multitude of ways. And this was the one uh, causal link that they could find medically uh, to, to what happened at ground zero. And so, so wait, hold on. So are you telling me that I'm supposed to actually listen to governor, the governor, Jesse Ventura, when he's like thermite paint, it was thermite paint, not all the beans. <laughs> no, I'm not saying thermite paint. I, I'm saying that he he found this one little bit of evidence and he started looking into it. And the, and the second he started looking into it, things started turning very negative for him in his personal life because of like government agents that were started targeting him because of it. So what he did is they he got their medical report, medical report and he started looking into this. Uh, uh, nanothermite dust particle which is uh a very 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 tiny uh particle that goes into the absolute nucleus of your cells and it it, it completely destroys them causes a like uh, a load of cancers in the human bodies and stuff like that it can just pass right through you because it's so small it goes right through everything and uh destroys your system essentially and when he found this out he went and asked a university prof- professor at the University of California, Davis, about this thermite nanoparticle was found in the dust of the 9-11 uh, ground zero. He goes, where does this come from? And the university professor responded with, that that particular particle, uh, only we, we've only ever seen it as a result of boiling iron. It is the byproduct of boiling iron and smoke that oh. had these nanoparticles in it was emitting out of ground zero up to three months after 9-11. So the smoldering Wait, ruins of 9-11 contained boiling iron. <laughs> like so what would steel, cause steel that? Beams. Like what's your theory on that then? I, uh, I, I'm not necessarily sure. Like, uh, I know there's a lot of conspiracies with like building seven and the way it fell down and that it was like a controlled demolition and stuff like that. And all, uh, a lot of people demolitions contain boiling iron. It depends on, the, uh, the material used, which is why people refer to it as like the thermite nanoparticle because therm, uh, Thermite would be the only way to get the the, the steel beams to uh, produce the, this particle, this nanoparticle, that is causing all these health problems in the first responders that had had to live and breathe in the dust a- after the the actual event. 
right? Are you, are you following? This is all very strange. Yeah. No, I'm not following. I'm, I'm... <laughs> where, okay, where did I lose you then? Um, honestly, the second you said it depends, and then I started uploading the voicemails. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was so, like, I wanted you to make a declarative statement, and anything that's a non-declarative statement, I'm just like, nope, don't care. <laughs> he he wrote an article and he actually published it and he goes uh I, I i believe it was titled um oh god rubble okay no i i missed the title here scratch that so he so I'll, I'll he essentially at- wait he essentially wrote an article saying why why is the um the 9-11 Ground Zero boiling iron three months after. Like, he wrote an article about it. He he found out the medical reasons to this. He contacted a university professor that specializes in the field of, of something like this that would know that. And he yeah. got an answer. He goes, yes, okay. Steel has been boiling, essentially, under, under the underground zero. And this is the only way that these harmful particles could have been produced, essentially. So, so what's his theory on it then? I, I want to know why why would there be boiling oil? This is the first time I've heard about that. Or bo- boiling iron. Or or steel, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well I, I'm also I'm also reading on the, the Wikipedia page for nanothermite that in two thousand two that apparently it was super hard to produce uh in even small quantities um nanothermites. Uh j- just to, to add context to this. Yes. Extremely high temperatures. So uh, I, I mean, the theories behind how this got produced, like whether it was thermite charges or a controlled demolition scenario to, to make it, or just the, the sheer energy that that was in the collapse of the building with all of that material and stuff like that, metal essentially vaporizing as it's being collapsed upon and, and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily buy that. I don't necessarily think that the the falling of the towers created so much thermal energy that it started vaporizing steel. Yeah. I'm bullshit. Yeah. I'm not, (laughs) I I wouldn't dig my heel. I wouldn't die on that hill. (laughs) How, how, um, how widespread were these, uh, the illnesses and the first responders? Like was all of them, um, they all had these side effects from these, from that specific particle. What? (laughs) Yes, like what? this is this is what all the first responders were dying from. You guys remember uh, the Daily Show guy that was like crying get, to get money uh, for first responders medical bills after the fact. Yeah, Jan Stewart loves fucking pearl. Clothing. Yeah, uh, like essentially everyone that was near Grand Zero that day like got cancer and like is like dying or dead essentially. So. He, There's he a video published. I saw that was pretty interesting. I mean, I've never believed this, but it was just these uh, cars that were outside of the buildings right after they collapsed that were like, they looked like they'd been on fire for a week. Like they were burnt out, like yeah, burnt out, just husks. And yeah, I was no I, rubber left, no plastic left. So weird. Any steel and you're like, left. What happened? What happened to that car? that made it do that and one of the theories that i was reading about was like that it was uh, like a direct energy weapon or something like that and i'm like that doesn't make alien laser beam basically they get to like laser beam you know where they start talking about these direct energy weapons and it's like i've never seen evidence for that and 
the military doesn't make things that it doesn't use. So <laughs> I don't believe you. So, so you have a, a clip from uh, this, this Chris Bullen guy. Yes, I do, but not yet. I'm leading into it. <laughs> okay. This is just the setup okay. for right now. So he published this article talking about the uh, nanothermite and stuff like that. And yes. the next week he noticed uh, armed personnel were staking out his neighborhood. Now he lives in a very quiet suburb and he actually saw weapons in these people's car. They were spying on his house and everything like that. He <laughs> called the police. The, the people watching him intercepted the police call, told the police to stand down and they took it. They responded to the police call. His, they came up walking up to the front door they didn't they they weren't um uniformed police but they they had you know they're like cargo pants and like they they did have like um open open carry on their legs like their pistols were strapped on their legs and they had like yeah. the utility belt and stuff like that they came up confronted his wife in the front yard of his house he came out shortly thereafter and started questioning them he was trying to get out who they are what their names were and all these other things, what agency they worked for, they didn't respond at all. He turned around to go into his house to call his brother uh, for for some reason. They tackled him to the ground. They uh, they essentially gave him not not the uh, they gave him the George Floyd treatment essentially. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he, he said uh, the guy's knee was in his temple on the side of his head. He's like his face turned purple. His his eyes were bulging and they were tasing him in the back of the spine for like several minutes. <laughs> Wait, when you say the George Floyd treatment, do you mean they made him hoax his own death on an overpublicized Mason ritual? Well, they sat full body weight on top of his head and neck is what I was saying. Oh, oh, is, th is this what I was protesting for 15 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they brought him up. Uh, they brought him up on charges of. Uh, assaulting a police officer, resisting arrest, like conspiracy to commit all these things. And this all happened in his front yard. They destroyed all the evidence. They destroyed his phone. They destroyed his wife's phone. They destroyed all the videos captured on dash cam. There was that there was a fire truck that had gotten there as he was like uh, moments after he was tackled because the, the fire department got a um, an unsolicited warning that there was an impending medical incident at his house's location. <laughs> so the fire department was like waiting in like the background. Is there proof <laughs> of any of this guy's fucking story or is he just like... Yes, yeah, so all the evidence was destroyed. Well, that, I mean, he might, I, I don't know. He didn't clarify if he got charged, if he found guilty or anything like that. But so this is just the start of his story. And so he starts looking into all of this shit, right? And so the story from there goes back to 1948. <laughs> it starts all the but way back in 1948. It always starts in 1948. Dude, 47 and 48, I'm telling you, yeah. fucking wild. So before wild. the formation of the state of Israel, the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the United States published 13 <laughs> papers. And it was 13 pages, uh, 13 papers on Israel's foreign policy and the use of force in Palestine. <laughs> force requirement for Palestine. It was the Zionist strategy uh, that will seek to involve the United States in a continuously widening and deepening series of 
operations intended to secure massive Jewish objectives. It expanded the land of Israel into Jordan, Lebanon, and Syria, and the establishment of the economic and military Jewish hegemony in the Middle East. These are official papers resulting in uh, World War War II and also everyone starting to hype up the fact that they're about to give the Jews like their own nation state essentially in the middle of Israel. Oh yeah. That was, uh, we all knew that was fucking coming. Um, so after world war two, so what this, uh, what Christopher Boland does is essentially he goes back to the very beginning and he sets out an outline of how they have been engineering this event all the way from the, the creation of Israel until like the event happened. So we have 1948. In 1955, the defense minister, chief of staff, or the Egyptian, uh, I'm sorry. All right. In 1955, started the series of false flag events that Israel started conducting in the Middle East to get the United States on bad terms with their neighbors in the surrounding area. So in 1955, they set up fake terrorist bombs or bombings in Egypt. And they decided to target uh, libraries, like public libraries in the main cities all around Egypt. So shit kind of went wrong a little bit here. Um, One bomb ignited prematurely. Uh, They, they caught another terrorist and they got him to confess essentially like, and it came out that Israel was like, like legitimately behind like these events. And so you move into the 1970s. 1979, there was a conference on international terrorism hosted by Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, Well, first, they were going into how this was like to control the narrative, essentially. And so what they they had all these world leaders come come to Israel and talk about how the terrorism that we're facing right now in the Middle East from all of our neighbors is going to start affecting the rest of the Western world. They don't, they're not doing this because they hate Jews or they hate Israel. They hate the West and they hate their freedoms, which is starting to sound familiar, right? <laughs> Wait. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds like what happened, uh, you know, just across the river from me. There were, there are all these uh, people in red hats and they hate the West and they hate freedoms. Uh, so they tried to, um, you know, attack AOC. I posted in show clips, but you guys have seen the 1967 Israel coin that uh, is a plane flying into a scroll that looks like the World Trade Center with the tank on it. <laughs> okay. Love have it. you seen that coin? No, I, I hadn't seen it. Oh, dude. It's... Anyway, so... Kind of a coincidence. I'm just saying. Christopher Bolin essentially set up this this long explanation of how they set this up and over the course of however many years. And it started essentially with this conference that was led by Benjamin Netanyahu, even back then. Uh, In 1982, Benjamin Netanyahu wrote a book called terrorism, how the West can win implying that the West is now all of a sudden, every country in the West is now all of a sudden included in their fight in the Middle East to support Israel. 
or that they're the enemies of, of the terrorists that Israel is having to deal with at the moment. That's yeah, that's always been ter- the terrorism. Yeah. Well, terrorism as a concept was very new back then, um, back in like the, the 80s and 90s. Um, it's a very, from what I understand from, from you know people I've talked to, it's a very modern thing. So that, that Netanyahu was, uh, you know, one of the, the architects of what is terrorism, what is the fight against terrorism, and that it's threatening specifically Israel and the West is very interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'd that, like to read that book at some point. That's definitely their, uh, that's been the propaganda the whole time. It's just to be like, we were just trying to write the Torah and what, you know, worship, and everyone just hates us for our money and our tiny hats, and everyone's trying to terrorize us. Come, come kill everybody, America. Like, that's, it's always been the but, story. Which is crazy, too, because in this conference in the 70s, uh, they they were referencing this map of the f- of future Israel, and it showed a map of the the current state of the Middle East, and it showed where Israel wanted to expand its borders, and it essentially encroached into Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Iraq, and the UAE. <laughs> Imperialist Israel. Okay. I, yeah, uh, dude, it's it's fucking it's fucking crazy. So their plan for well, their- when, we, when we said the holy land, the, the word God's chosen people, we had our holy land. We meant holy lands, plural. It, it includes all these adjacent lands, too. And in case you have to read it in the Bible. Oh, you don't know Hebrew up. Uh, well, let me let me interpret for you. Um, Egypt is ours. <laughs> but we guys, we have to invade Egypt and Saudi Arabia and Lebanon and Syria. Like they hate us, and then we'll we won't be free if we don't invade them. And you won't be free either, of course. Yeah, and so, somehow America will also not be free right? because <laughs> if Israel can't have Lebanon, then we and Egypt, we don't own everything up to the pyramids. We America will never be free. So it, it included this um, uh, something called a plan, the the Israel Yinon plan. It was made by this guy Odin Yinon. He was a former. <laughs> His name is Odin. That's fucking awesome. It's like O D E N or whatever. I believe oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Ever since that. <laughs> uh, this guy, he he wrote an article. Uh, I don't think it was the no it was the jerusalem post and this the author of the article was a former israeli foreign minister (laughs) and it was the yinon plan and the the plan was to break up uh all of the states surrounding them into smaller into smaller ethnic states and it's actually a plan that had been that had taken place already with the soviet union um, and its satellite na- uh, nations. Uh, they did this as a form of diplomacy in Yugoslavia. They broke up Yugoslavia into like multiple different factions, multiple different um, states after the fact, all specifically like, different based? ethnic groups. Yes. Well, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does, does this remind you of any other uh, you know ideologies from the 20th century? Yeah. So essentially like Iraq got broken up into Sunni versus Shiite and also uh, they were fighting each other and then the Kurds were fighting both of them. Uh, And then so this plan also included Syria, Libya and Yemen in it. (laughs) Wait, is this is this like part of the the root 
cause like the does this is this where most of our middle eastern conflicts trace back to between a lot of these very insular uh religious and ethnic groups like yes. w- within what yes what <laughs> yes <laughs> holy so, shit okay that's the strategy right the goal was a israeli nation zionism essentially the expansion it literally of- reminds me of hey hey fellow white people make sure you hate the black people and hey black people all these whites over here are trying to get you i'm not white though i'm jewish like that it's reminding you that plan that it's, it's, it's all a middle eastern version of that yeah oh god go on bob okay you, so, you piqued my interest so that's the plan Essentially, that that was like their uh, strategy to start breaking up these countries and to start subjugating them, so they could, you know, start expanding and stuff like that. So what they needed was the West, um, the Western nations to start helping them. Most majorly, um, the United States, and so thus started the false flag campaign. <laughs> I know Aaron's gonna love this part. <laughs> Uh, when did this what's the year that this came about this is in the 70s they came up with this uh well the yinon i think it was like late 70s early 80s and stuff like that but the the false flag thing kind of that, that that's when it was like public and but they had started the false flag campaign for a while now so i don't oh yeah I mean, it wasn't bay of pigs like in uh or what was the one where they were going to fake the the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, what was the? Yeah, those gonna, those are the Bay of Pigs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they were gonna fake an attack or whatever, and Kennedy said no. That was in the sixties. Yeah, so there was. Uh, they actually gave a list of a bunch of false flags in in world history here: the sinking of the Lusitania, the Gulf of Tonka, the USS Maine, and the USS Liberty. Do you guys have you guys ever looked into the USS Liberty? Oh shit! I, was, I, was, I heard about this the other week. I think. Um, Remind, remind me what the, the story is. It's still in our history books as like this big thing. Like, oh, that was really bad. I'll let uh, Christopher Bolin describe it himself here. Well, we'll, we'll balk when, when, you, when you explain to them that Israel was involved in 9-11 and, and you talk about this, they'll say, oh, no, Israel wouldn't do that. You know, there's many Christian Zionists in this country who say, no, no, no. Israel's our, our strategic ally. I would just point out they should read some history. In 1967, in the Six-Day War, on June 8th, Israeli uh, military, air force, and navy viciously attacked a ship called the USS Liberty, which was an unarmed American spy ship under the NSA off the coast of Egypt in international waters. And it was flying an oversized American flag. And the, the, the Israeli pilots were flying over the ship. They'd been buzzing over it all morning long before the attack began. And then the attack, the attack began. They hit, with, they hit with a torpedo in the middle, killing 34 Americans. Then they bombed it, dropped napalm. And there was a recently, or a couple years ago, the, the transcripts came out between the pilots and ground control. And the, the pilots ground control in Tel Aviv said, identify the plane, identify, identify the ship. And the planes wrote, planes wrote back, called back and said, it's, it's American, it's American. And then the command came from Tel Aviv, sink the ship, no survivors. And this is a, a well-documented event. That is an official transcript of the radio uh, transmission oh, that took place between... between <laughs> yeah. 
This is all so well documented. Like, you can go back. Benjamin Netanyahu actually wrote a book saying, like, the West needs to fight the war on terror that doesn't exist yet. Like, <laughs> back in the 80s. I, I think it. Ex- I think that's what uh, started it, you know, oh, that act God. of terror. Yeah. <laughs> so let's continue here. So they intended to put this ship on the bottom of the ocean, but it was, it was one of those old World War II Liberty Hull ships, which have good compartments underneath, and it didn't go down. The torpedo went right in the middle of the ship and, and killed the whole, all of the guys down below with the headphones on that were you know, interpreting what, the signals intelligence. Killed all of them, but the ship didn't sink. But when the Americans tried to put life rafts into the water, the Israeli gunboats were machine gunning the life rafts. They had no intention. They intended the ship to go down the bottom. And had it gone to the bottom, it would have been blamed on Egypt. And this would have brought us very close to a nuclear war. But that's another story. This, this so this, this is the second false flag attack with Egypt that they were attempting. The, the other one that I had mentioned before with the bombings in the public libraries, which had completely got fucked up and they got caught. What year is this? Essentially. Uh, he, 67? Yeah, or, yeah he, he said so in the thing. I believe it was in the 60s. Yeah. So what was their explanation of this? Well, well, hold on. Well, I'll just continue and let him go about this here. Okay. This okay. was the, you know, Lyndon Johnson was in the White House and, and he was very, very pro-Israel. And so twice American ships, American planes were launched from aircraft carriers off the coast of Greece to rescue the ship. And twice McNamara and Johnson called the ships back, called the planes back. He said, I will not, I will not embarrass an ally. So 171 Americans were brutally wounded on the ship and 34 killed. And that, that little piece of history is not generally well known in America because it's not taught. It's simply suppressed. So seven. So what do you guys think so far? <laughs> what, what, what was the premise of this attack? Remind, remind me again, what was the premise of this, this attack? Like why um, were they just sinking a ship for no reason? Uh, I'm not particularly sure. I don't know the, the official story on that. I don't know if one of you guys want to bring up what the mainstream media will tell you or what the official story might be. I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to score. Official story is, is Israel apologized. It's everything he just said, where it killed 34 people, wounded 171. It says Israel apologized for the attack, saying the USS Liberty had been attacked in error after being mistaken for an Egyptian ship, both the Israeli and U.S. governments conducted inquiries and issued reports that conclude the attack was a mistake due to Israeli confusion about the ship's identity. Others, including survivors of the attack, have rejected these conclusions and man- maintain that the attack was deliberate. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a DoD uh, press release as well that um, that there was uh, uh, plenty of opportunity or like no reason that the um, the Israeli plane would not be able to identify the ship. Um, and apparently they paid three and a half million dollars to the families and the people who were injured. Families of people who were killed and the, and the people who were injured. No shit. Oh my uh, god. And then they paid six million in 1980 as a final settlement for material damage to the Liberty itself plus 13 years of interest. So they paid the U.S. government six million, and they paid the families and the people that got wounded three point three two. Three point three three right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's um, like in sixties money, though. So you know, not not bad uh, money in today's money. It would have been about fifty million total. Uh, not not great. 
Never mind. Yeah, so <laughs> Israel, our greatest allies throughout uh, ever since their conception, right? That's that's the the story here. Yep. Yeah, and the people on the ship are like, "Fuck that! That wasn't an accident." And that's I even mean, Wikipedia. they're not talking. They're they're not talking. <laughs> well, a bunch of them were. They never sank it. They didn't actually sink the ship. Oh, okay. Good point. I, I uh, okay. So. 1967 so, that that's the relationship go th- on this is the premise that we're, we're we're basing it off of essentially that they they try to false a flag tw- or false flag twice before this once uh, in egypt and the the second time in the sea thinking it was an egyptian ship attacking the the u.s ship to get us involved in uh fighting uh egypt and so uh that is where he leaves that and to get verification from uh, officials in the United States government, he leads uh, into a quote from General Wesley Clark. And now this quote came back in 2007, where they've laid out plans back in the late 40s, 50s, and 60s of all of the targets of Israel, essentially, to expand their borders and to uh, enact the Yinon uh strategy essentially to dissolve all the countries around them and so this is this next clip is going to be the official evidence of of supporting the the yinon plan seven days uh, seven seven countries in five years this is general wesley clark and he went to the he went to the pentagon 10 days after 9 11 he said and he said i went through the pentagon and i saw rumsfeld and deputy secretary wolfowitz he said one of the generals called me in and said sir We've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. He said, we're going to war with Iraq? Why? I don't know, he said. He said, I came back a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? He said, sir, it's much worse than that. We're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq, then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. And he said this in, in March 2007 in several speeches. Now, you can see from that shopping list, five of those nations have already been done. Uh, Lebanon has already pretty much fre- broken up along ethnic lines. And really, the only one that's left is Iran. And you see, with our current pr- president, Donald Trump, he's very gung-ho, actually, in uh, he, at least what he says, in waging war with Iran. Now, you know, waging war with Iran would be, would be disastrous for us and for the whole region, so I hope he doesn't do that. I hope he has um, enough sense to, to avoid that kind of thing. But this is the shopping list. Now, whose shopping list is this? Wh- what American interest is, Wesley Clark was confused, what American interest is it in, in over, you know, overthrowing these seven Middle Eastern countries? Well, it's an Israeli plan, and it's called the Yanon plan, named after the guy who wrote it, Oded Yanon. Oded Yinon published this in, a, in an Israeli magazine called Kivunim in 1982 in February. And Kivunim is the, is the a journal for Judaism and Zionism. It's published in Jerusalem by the World Zionist Organization. That's the very top of the Zionist enterprise. Like I said, that's the state of Israel. Zionism is the ideology upon which Israel is based. And the Yinon plan, according to the man who translated Israel Shahak, a professor of chemistry, he said it represents the accurate and detailed plan of the present Zionist regime, the Likud, for the Middle East, which is based on the division of the whole area into small states and the dissolution of all existing Arab states. So what it means is something called balkanization. 
And then he goes in to describe how that took place in Yugoslavia, essentially. Okay, that that makes uh, that's adding a bullet. Man. I I know we've played some clip or, or talked about the unknown plan sometime in the past. It's coming back to me very slowly. It's talking about kind of the, the seven countries and the, the trajectory over the last you know twenty thirty years. Um, that that's interesting. Yeah, and especially as as he was saying um, in this clip here and looking into the the last two. Uh, last two years, coming into the new years and looking at uh, conflicts with Iran and um, the the borderline uh, wars, uh, supposed borderline wars with Iran and uh, uh, of you course Israel's funny? eagerness at it is that started with Bush. They go nine eleven, that gets us into the war. Goes over to Obama is like the opposite of Bush, but just keeps right on trucking with those next next countries on the list. Just keeps going, just constant war. Uh, Trump, thank God, actually started pulling troops out, and now they're gonna fucking that. This like the, literally on like inauguration day, they're like, oh, there's a bunch of terrorist attacks in Iran, and uh, we we really got to start sending troops to the border and reload up Syria. It's like, uh, okay, yeah, uh, essentially like the first week of Biden's administration, there were reports coming out from the Jerusalem Post and out of Israel saying that. Iran is weeks away, if not months away, from obtaining uh, enough nuclear material for a bomb. And that Israel yes. was planning, sure. with or without the support of the United States, uh, a preemptive attack on Iran. So that is our current state of affairs <laughs> right okay. now. I, you, this isn't going to be a popular opinion, but this is just my opinion. In my opinion, nuclear bombs do not exist as they, as they tell us. And it is literally used as a boogeyman that never comes to fruition and is just used as an excuse to attack people unprovoked and pretend it's defense. Um, Bob, you're, you're the physics guy. What's, uh, what's, what's your opinion on nuclear bombs? Uh, yeah, they, I think they definitely exist. Uh, the science to like it as, is, as they're advertised as, yeah, as they're advertised, uh, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of nuclear energy uh, as, a, as a source of resources. Um, so, I mean, that's definitely a thing. Uh, as far as, like, the nuclear bomb, no, I just, like, we just use it to literally, like, bully everyone. It's like, hey, we got them. If you, if you think you're, you want them or you think you're going to develop your own, like, then we will fucking decimate you. Like, it, it's just. Yeah, but we never do. We one time did and only literally one journalist reported on it back to America in the United States and the people that reported on it in Japan, the, the Japanese press, like the old papers and stuff never said they were, they just called it a firebombing in the original Japanese papers. Like, I don't know if we ever used a nuclear bomb. And then the, the test videos are like the, the videos they used to show on the testing of nuclear bombs are hilariously fake. They look like a Godzilla set. Like, the trees are like paper mache where it's like, and they just like fucking blow away. And it's supposed to show like the awesome destructive power of the, the bomb. But it's literally just like a staged nonsense video. Well, well I, I mean, will do that another time. But it, it doesn't matter. But I was just, I it's just funny that we use it, A, to pretend we have the most super bombs and if and we use it as a as an excuse to the public as to why we have to go invade other countries because they're about to build a super bomb and they're really bad and they'll definitely use it on us 
And so people are like, whoa, that's that sounds whole terrible. world as we know it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, weapons of mass destruction. Uh, ring any bells? So we're basically set up. They, they have the plan. They have the strategy. They have the plan to start the war on terror. This is their goal, essentially. They have the strategy to start dismantling the countries around them, all of the Arab states in the Middle East. And so all they need to do is kick off the war in terror. They need a false flag event to actually push things through, right? And so th- this is where we start leading into. Outside the country. A lot of my neighbors are from Syria. Um, so 22 years after it was born in Jerusalem, the Israeli war on terror became operational after 9-11. So the purpose of 9-11 was to start this Israeli war agenda, this Zionist war agenda. And they used their, their agent here, um, Osama bin Laden, to impress upon us that he was the bad guy. So I'm going to talk about the Israeli connections to 9-11. And these are some, some points to show you that um, the Israeli connection to 9-11 and the Israeli connection to the war on terror, that, these, that these, both of these things come from the same place and for the same reason. Hold on one second. First one is mediation. Yeah. So the one part that struck me is it feels like he's ignoring is the U.S.'s complicity in this because they he talks about Osama bin Laden as like tricking America into thinking he's the bad guy, but the United States clearly had him lined up as the fake bad guy. Well, the, he had been the bad guy for like ten years at that point. He, yeah. he was like he was no, already not a that. compromised CIA agent at that point. No, I know, but not that he. On 9-11, the planes hit the towers, and, like, literally within within an hour, every news outlet is saying, the only person that could have done this is Osama bin Laden. It's like, there's times where Encyclopedia Brown took longer to, to crack the case than it <laughs> took us to figure out that Osama bin Laden definitely did 9-11. Like, so, uh, I'm going to get into that, and he's going to get into that. It's the absolute control of... Uh, essentially, he refers to it as the the Zionist agenda, right? To control the narrative, every single player in the investigation leading or that that took place after nine eleven was essentially controlled by either a uh, a Rothschilds group. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying these things. Like <laughs> before researching this, <laughs> I, I like the Rothschilds have never crossed my mind, like ever. And after, like, looking into this guy's work and stuff like that, it's like, holy shit. They, every single part of it, every single part of the narrative was controlled by either Mossad, the CIA, or the Saudi Arabian um, Defense Ministry. And so we're going to yeah. get into Saudi Arabia in a little bit because they were the other joint partner in this venture between the CIA and Mossad or the, the Zionists essentially from Israel. So okay, okay. they're waging a war uh, essentially against all every Islamic state, but they have an exo- uh, Islamic state player in the game. Cause I mean, you can't just start throwing terrorists out there for the public to see and them to have like legitimate Jewish or American roots. Right. So that, that would be kind of <laughs> mm, suspicious. 
Plus, when, when you look at that map that they that they held in that conference of like the future of the Israeli state, uh, they only cut into Saudi Arabia like a little bit, just like a little bit. It's not, <laughs> it's not uh, like the, the the full country or anything like that. So, well, I'm, I'm sure Saudi Arabia already has like a, a well unified and singular ethnic group. So it's just that one corner of the country they want to uh, section off, right? True. Yeah. Wait, is that actually is that actually true? no? Well, I, I, I mean, I have I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I'm not huge into the ethnicity uh, demographic of Saudi Arabia. I've never looked into that before. Wow, what kind of uh, not racist person are you? <laughs> I don't know the apathetic kind. Okay, <laughs> but let's lead in here because he he lays out the the essentially the the strategy moving forward here. Putting the idea out there of a 9/11 attack is possible. In 1978, um, Arnon Milchan, a senior Israeli intelligence agent, made his first movie called The Medusa Touch, in which a Boeing 747 goes into the Pan Am building in New York City. This is the... What? So, what? Did you, did you catch he, that? He was... Uh, yeah, yeah, so he was... Um, what should we call it? Testing, like... A video to see a video with people that's effectively he made a movie about a terrorist attack of a plane flying into a building <laughs> called the Medusa building Touch. New York City okay yeah <laughs> and it gets very even better good, very it good. literally gets better like trust me the cover of the book and that's Arnon Milkan so he made this he's a, a very senior agent he's involved in nuclear smuggling from the United States to Israel and here he is talking to Ezra Weitzman in the same year he made the movie in England Milchan with Ezra Weizmann, Defense Minister, 1978. So where did he get this idea of a 9-11 type attack? Did you catch that too? He's promoting a movie about a terrorist attack of a plane flying into a building in New York City, and he's promoting it with the Israeli Defense Minister in, in 1978. <laughs> is, is this is this like the, the uh, second stage of New York Times uh, just... <laughs> Broadcasting the shit, six million number from nineteen from like from your nineteen hundred. This is yeah. where shit starts getting so fucking weird, dude. <laughs> like <laughs> there are yeah, so, it's called pre-programming. Yeah. They actually that is actually a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think he uses uh, that that term specifically, but it, th this entire segment right now is like him explaining how they have been pre-programming this since the sixties, the seventies, etc. So let's Wait, go sorry, on here. Sorry, what, 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 year, yeah. what year again did you say the Medusa Touch was in, or what was the, uh, the background? 1978. We did the same, we did the same thing pre-programming-wise, like with lots of things. Like uh, One of the things that I thought of immediately with pre-programming was uh, with the coronavirus. We did the movie, like they did like Contagion, and started doing all these... All like, the zombie movies. All the zombie movies always started with a disease that starts out that, you know, then causes corona except for of course i am legend where the cure to the disease is what causes it but um oh, oh god <laughs> yeah there are shows where they literally are like it's a new kind of coronavirus oh god and like that happened in like multiple shows there was one or verbatim exactly what happened or uh in the famous bill gates interview in 2010 where he's saying we're gonna get hit by a massive pan global pandemic it's, yeah, I did one tw 2009, I think, and one in 2015. No, but I'm saying Israel has been has been predicting the war the war on terror globally, uh, the West versus the Islamic State 
since the 70s, since the 60s, right? They've been promoting that idea this entire time until it finally yeah, like 30... took place by the Wait. special event of 9-11. Like, that's how Wait, they... so the 60... The, that 60... 1968... Uh, oh, no, it was a 67 coin. Never mind. I was what? thinking that the attack was 33 years after the, uh, the coin was made. Uh. I was like, no way. <laughs> Too good. <laughs> yeah. <It> was 34. <laughs> All right, let, let's uh, start going on here. Heck, you know, where, where did this idea come from? Well, it was probably being planned already at that time, and I'll show you it was. So this is how they've set up the props to, you know, the plane flying into the Pan Am building. Milkan is a very high Israeli agent. He's a top agent in a group called Lakam. Lakam, L-A-K-A-M, is actually the uh, secret, very secret uh, organization that was set up to smuggle nuclear components to Israel from the United States. And he's worth something like $5 billion. He made JFK, he made Brazil, he made Pretty Woman, I think. He made quite a few films. The movie Brazil is quite interesting. He made that one in 1986. It's a futuristic film in which terrorism happens all the time. And the nation that the people live in is, at, is fighting a war on terror against in, in some far-flung region. <laughs> and oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so they, this is where they start controlling the media, essentially. They have connections in with, with movie makers, essentially. And all of a sudden, they start writing this science fiction about this war on terror, this dystopian future that, that we might have to live in. And it just happens to be the exact foreign policy future that, that we live in today. I got some very oh, uninspired yeah. secretaries of state. That, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> okay. Let's go on here. And in 2000, his business partner, Rupert Murdoch from Fox News, they made another film in which the, the World Trade Center was attacked by a plane. And in this case, it was a passenger aircraft that was remotely hijacked and flown into the World Trade Center. And Rupert Murdoch and Arnon Milkan are business partners. They have a television company together. So that, the idea probably came from Mr. Um, Milkan. This was aired on Fox TV in March 2001. It was viewed by 13 million U.S. viewers six months before 9/11. Oh, now okay, no, no. So, 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 so. Uh, remember, um, what was it? Two weeks ago, when uh, Time Magazine had the fun article that was the, the shadow campaign that saved the election. How how they're talking about um, the media, big tech, and political collusion oh. over the course of the last year or two. To specifically program in people's heads uh, some of these ideas of um, you know mail-in voting being secure and uh, not not being surprised when you don't have results election day and it's a bunch of stuff like that or or the the idea that Trump is going to resist a peaceful transition of power um, stuff like that where it's uh, it, there, there was a. It is very well documented, uh, you know, by the people involved that they um, you know controlled the media to pre-program people to be ready for this sort of event. If you get in people's heads Wait. six months before 9-11, the image of a plane crashing into the World Trade Center. I'm speechless. I'm I, I, I think I just got Mandela effect. Aaron, did you watch the movie? Aaron, have you seen the movie? Wait, I just... <laughs> no, no, no. I just got Mandela affected, though. I thought that at some point in history, a passenger plane already hit the World uh, Trade Center. A truck did. Wait, wait, yes. I crazy? Yes, it did. It, it's somewhere here in my notes. Um, I kind of glossed over that, though. On the road um, of the truck. I mean, because they... I think. No, 
I thought that like a prop plane hit it or something at one point. Yes, oh. a prop plane did hit it in the base of of the building, and it only killed six people. So it was that. like a failed okay. attack, essentially. Yeah. Yes. When when was that? I think it was within ten years before. Um. So I, I will say, uh, ninety three. There was a truck that was run into uh, the base of the building and um, exploded and killed some people. Uh, killed six people. Not not yeah, that. Not that. Yeah. You're talking about there. Um, but I, I think Bob's right that I'm, I'm missing it. Oh, here. I got it right here. I got it right here. All right. Um, um, six people were killed. And as I said, Sheratov and Mukanir, the first false bombing hit the World Trade Center in the basement. It caused a lot of damage, but it didn't go anywhere near bringing the buildings down. Um, six people were killed. And as I said, Sheratov and Mukasey framed the case against the blind shake. Now, here's the blind sheikh smiling back there with sunglasses on, and he's, he's being led out of the room by a man named Ahmad Salem. Ahmad Salem was an Egyptian colonel. The, the, the first guy that he mentioned is the guy that got pinned with the, uh, the prosecution, essentially. He got blamed for this attack. The truck bombing one? Yeah. Yeah, that killed six people. That didn't do anything to the building. So, at so all. was was there another plane? So um, I'm gonna continue. that hit the building at some point. Did, did we have confirmation of that? I I, I uh, it might have been not the World Trade Center, but the Empire State Building that you're thinking of. Huh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay, I want to continue this one here real quick. Colonel who came to this country and was uh, involved, in, and he's, he's being led out of the room by a man named Ahmad Salem. Ahmad Salem was an Egyptian colonel who came to this country and was uh, involved working with the FBI as the informant. He was the FBI's informant. So he was getting into his circle men who could be held responsible for the crime that was going to happen. And that's what he did. He was paid, one, Ahmad Salem was paid $1 million for his testimony um, Michael Sheratov played a key role in the prosecution. So what happened is that these innocent Muslims, like the blind sheikh, were sent away to jail for like 5,000 years. This guy took his $1 million and went into the witness protection program and lives happily ever after. But there are tapes of him talking to the FBI about making the bomb and who's, who made the bomb, who's going to blow up the bomb. And uh, you, could, you can tell from his, uh, his voice that he's very... Uh, he feels very dismayed at the way the whole thing turned out in the end. Of course he did. Then the Zionist plans for revamping the American military required something called the New Pearl Harbor. This is before 9-11. <laughs> there was a series of articles and, and ideas, think tanks, that, that called for a New Pearl Harbor. The, the, one of the most important ones is this one. This was in the Foreign Affairs magazine, which is a CFR publication. It was written, it was written as the report of of uh, what's called a uh, study group. Zelikow, Philip Zelikow had a catastrophic terrorism study group. And in his study group was Ashton Carter. You might, that name might be familiar. Uh, Minister of Secretary of Defense under uh, Obama. And John Deutsch, former head of the CIA. And they had this catastrophic terrorism study group for a year or so. And then they pr produced this report. And as you can see from the, from the beginning of the article, they were imagining the transforming event. They were imagining that event that would change this country, that act of catastrophic terrorism. This is 1998, December. 
They were imagining this tremendous catastrophe that would change America forever. And this paper was basically laying out when that happens, what we would have to do. This is like think tank, think tank uh, material. Okay, pause it. Here are the two. Now, this sounds to me like exactly like when they did yes, the Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of. For coronavirus. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> yes, when this Aaron. thing that inevitably will happen happens. happens. <laughs> this is exactly what we'll do to change the landscape of America forever. Dude, it's all staged bullshit. Like, this, they absolutely was an insane job. So that is is basically what I'm trying to get at in this entire presentation. It was staged. It's been staged for several decades. Several. For, <laughs> for the sole purpose of the expansion of Israeli territory in the Middle East. And Yeah, so, that's what it led to. Yeah, I so... Mean, it, a little side note here is that um, you asked earlier, what's like the U.S.'s involvement in all of this, right? Why would the United States have a vested interest in supporting Israel's plan to dissolve the Arab states ar around Israel and to and to take over, um, let's say, the Holy Land, yes. right? Like Jerusalem being the, the point of, of biblical importance. Right. Yeah, and yeah. So, hit, hit us up with your hit us up with your screen. <laughs> That's what I want to hear. I want to hear what you think about that and why. Wait, what? Why is wait, the which US demon involved? is President Clinton talking so, to under which mountain to make which deal <laughs> uh, related to the Israeli people? The impl the implication here is that the the rapture will only take place when the Holy Land Jerusalem is occupied. By its original settlers, the Jews. Were they even the original settlers? And that, or something like that. It's, wait, 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 wait. I'm, wait, I'm wait. not too so well read on on this whole subject. They're, they're intending to bring about the rapture, or to uh, you know, uh, the onset of the, the end rapture. Of times. Well, it, uh, yes. <laughs> well, all all those holy enough and who abide by God's rule, like you know, they don't have to live on hell on earth. They they get sent to heaven. You know, that that is the ultimate goal, essentially. That is um, Wait. sort of like a theological reason for, for isn't this whole thing, right? So if you have a bunch of Christians yeah. believing that, it's like, oh, if we give this land back to the Jews, then we can fulfill a Christian so prophecy. As a Christian prophecy. Uh, so are the Jews just using that as yes. like a... The that Jews is using like it as like a scheme to, uh, you know, like get... To gain traction and power in the Middle East is that the, like the pur purpose? I mean that that's that's Israel's ultimate goal, right? Is to to gain power and to expand their empire. Essentially, we're looking at it from a, a completely oh, different okay. context. A, yeah, a context, and we're being used to get that goal for Israel. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's right? that's one motivation <laughs> that uh, United States leaders could have had going into uh, some of this support. Yeah. Uh, Aaron does not sound convinced. Bob, come up with another argument. <laughs> well, no, it's just that, like, are you, you're telling me that that George W. Bush is trying to incite the rapture? Like, fuck you. That's not the guy that's in Skull and, Skull and Bones or whatever and, like, has to, like, jerk off in front of his dad in a coffin. 
No, um, no, it's that. I mean, that's more of like the theological kind of like premise behind everything. But at the same time, the people in power in the United States and the CIA and, and, and the politicians and stuff like that, they all have stakes in like Raytheon and all these like uh, defense contractors and everything like that. Like they're making bank. Like Dick Cheney is like one of the most powerful people on the planet because he is like a major oh, really? stakeholder in. I didn't know this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he's a big player in um, not Raytheon. N- North of uh, Grumman. What, what's uh, the other defense the, contractor? Now, what's the Lockheed Martin? Lockheed Martin. Yeah, Lockheed Martin's the big one. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's more than just a, like a, a biblical incentive. So, but but that would just things. be like, you know, incentive to fuel war and fuel uh, military advancement in general. Is Would that specifically apply or would uh, this Israeli initiative be the uh, best version of that or the, the most advantageous version of that? Maybe, but I mean, they're making money in the meantime, right? Yeah, <laughs> I just think his leadership being greedy and, and taking huge payoffs. Yeah. General. Yeah, um, I mean... The business of war is good business. People make. I mean, a lot look of how many people it. they filtered in that are dual citizens in our own government. Dual citizens with America <laughs> and Israel. It's like there's like over fifty people in Senate and House of Representatives that are dual citizens. Well, well, you gotta, you gotta. If, if you had represent our interest, like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. If we had 50 people that were dual citizens, uh, America and China. Well, they'd be forced to revoke like, their citizenship. What like the, that, that's the, the policy there. <laughs> what the, f- yeah. What, what the fuck is going on with this? Why do we have 50 dual citizen American Saudi Arabia? Like, why is that? Like, you, people would be no, like, no, that's Aaron, Aaron. America, Israel, don't talk Aaron, about it. It's, it's anti-Semitic. We came up with a it's word. It's Viking guy that's, it. uh, threatening democracy. It's that that old lady who had her mask pulled down to the cre- the, the, yeah, the silly guy with grin the coyote who's hat. threatening democracy. It's at the late Ashley Babbitt who is threatening democracy. Uh, not any of you know these uh, uh, senators and uh, Congress people with um, v- various other interests. No, 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 no. They're the ba- last bastion of defense. Yeah, it's not things like the TSA or the Department of Homeland Security. Not nothing like that. Wait, just wait. We all, we're going to have a Department of Homeland Security 2.0. It's uh I read an article about it recently. It's it's coming. Focus on domestic terrorism. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, actually though because apparently we're not safe because uh, people can just walk up to the Capitol and walk in and uh, threaten to destroy democracy by walking around a building. Uh who knew a self-guided tour was that harmful to the nation? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Um so, uh, Christopher Boland's timeline is moving forward pretty fast here. He, he's established uh, the narrative moving forward and the agenda of, uh, of the Zionists uh, in Israel, trying to push this agenda of the war on terror, uh, this big attack that will change uh, the foundation of all civilization and the way we look at uh, security and shit like that. We, he's finally getting into the, the plan in action here. And so what he talked about in, I, I think it was like 1983, 1984, a Mossad led security group um, was trying to get the, um, the bid to be the security contractor for the World Trade uh, Buildings. <laughs> and, they, and they got denied because the guy that was leading it was like a known war criminal. 
And they're like, oh, oh and then we, we hired some we you know, good old that. American defense contractors <laughs> happily ever after, right? Yeah. Well, the the plan was 9-11 was going to happen sooner than it actually did. And because they didn't get that defense or that security contract for the, the World Trade Buildings in the 80s, they had to wait and push the plan back. And so uh, he picks up here in describing how uh, they got their foot in the door leading up to the attack in 2001. So on, on July two, in July 2001, the Zionists got the control of the World Trade Center. Basically, five weeks before 9-11 happened, they got control. How it happened like this, it's very interesting. Ronald Lauder, the, daughter, the son of Estee Lauder, the cosmetic magnate, he was made the director of Governor Pataki's privatization scheme. And this is for the state, state of New York. And they, he decided what properties would be privatized. And he decided, we'll privatize the World Trade Center. You have to understand, the World Trade Center was basically public property. It belonged to the states of New York and New Jersey, the Port Authority. And so they shifted this, these two monstrous buildings, these two huge buildings, to private ownership for a penny, for really a penny. And, and they, were, they went to this Larry Silverstein. This is how it happened. Ronald Lauder ran the Who scheme. owned it then? Who, like, you have a, if it shifted... The, the state no, no, of but then when it, when New it was York privatized, New Jersey. <laughs> they gave it to this guy. Larry Silverstein. Lucky, lucky, Larry. lucky Larry. Mr. Silverstein. <laughs> You've never heard of Lucky Larry Silverstein? <laughs> Dude, he's the luckiest no, person he's, ever. He's, he's unlucky. He's luckier than Hillary Clinton. Then his buildings, his, his greatest assets just uh, immediately were collapsed. Nope. Oh, no, 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 he insured it for an act of terrorism. It was all the rage at the time. Those so acts of terrorism. He, he took. It's it's like if you built it on a fault line. He borrowed line. money. What the fuck? Get this. He Not only that. Hey, get this. He borrowed a hundred million dollars to take out an insurance policy against um, terrorism. That and, included and terrorism. That included terrorism. When nine eleven happened, he got paid out about $5.3 billion in an Yeah, because it was a $3.5 billion dollar claim. What insurance and company did he bankrupt in the process? What the fuck, man? Not only that. He, he literally, he took out the claim it was a $3.5 billion claim and he claimed it twice because there was two attacks and two buildings. Two civilians. Yeah. And those claims <laughs> held up. Aaron's right, yeah. And the judge presiding on it was also a, Zion, a Zionist on that, oh, on that insurance claim. Not <laughs> only that, Josh, even better. People died, you know. Not only that, he... Yeah, no, even better. He uh, he worked at the World Trade Center, and so did one of his sons and one of his daughters. And uh, he just happened to have a doctor's appointment that morning that got canceled, but then he just didn't go to work. And his daughter and son were both running late. So his full family was safe. And he got to collect five, wait, wait. over five so million dollars. So it's not just Lucky some Larry dumb joke when it's like, oh, uh, there just didn't happen to be any Jews in the World Trade Center at that point, or like, no, no one. 
No, 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 no. There were four. I'm sure there were race traitors. <laughs> there were four. There were four Israelis that got killed in, in the World Trade Center. No accident. longer worth Just it. Just four. <laughs> I guess. Oh, God. Oh, Josh, you're starting to understand. <laughs> what you t- it, it, insurance fraud is my language. I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's no, wait, so, so, sorry, back, back to the, that question. Um, what what insurance company uh, paid this out? Um, I don't remember exactly, but they did go bankrupt so in actually, 2008 okay, so yeah, or 2009. Oh, well, he, so. I mean, that was during financial crisis, but like he, he did like near bankrupt or you know financially yeah. destabilize an insurance company with this uh, little scheme of his. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's continue for a penny for really a penny and and they were they went to this larry silverstein this is how it happened ronald lauder ran the scheme and lauder is very closely connected to the Mossad. he actually has a school called the lauder school of government diplomacy and strategy at Mossad university in Tehercilia, idc inter, inter, interdisciplinary center and at his school the lauder school the head of the Institute for Policy and Strategy is none other than Danny Rothschild. This Israeli high general, aloof Major General Danny Rothschild. Can I pause for just a minute here? I, let me pull up my notes. <laughs> I Go, got go Something about the Rothschilds. Well, Whoever heard that name something, before? It's, something uh, about it, the it's, you know, Rothschilds. famous family. Probably like the Kardashians or something. They probably had a reality TV show. Um... Did you guys know that Edmund Rothschild was on the official Israeli shekel, the $500 shekel note? <laughs> on the money? Edmund Rothschild. He was, in 1982, was placed on the Israeli $500 shekel. Whoa. Okay. Fun, well, I'm fun just, fact. I'm just Little gonna... piece of trivia right there. Next, <laughs> uh, next yeah. pub quiz night, you'll bring it up. <laughs> It's oh god! <laughs> I'm trying desperately to like not be anti-Semitic, but it's just like well, oh, I, I've already pay. proven anti- anti-Semitism <laughs> doesn't exist. So like, should we get into that? <laughs> well, that's not even the point. No, hold on, like, because that's that's the thing. People are always like, oh, like your butthole squeeze, you know, cinches up that, quite that's a bit. The natural whenever you're reaction, talking about yeah. it, it, Israel and Israel being like pointing out things that Israel do like this is not anti-Semitic for one. A, it's pointing out facts. And B, it's a it's a small group of billionaires that call themselves Jews. It's not of all Jews. Like, the guy down the street that's a Jewish guy that owns a bagel shop, uh, he's not in on it. We all know that. Like, we're not against the Jews. No one's against the Jews. It's literally a small group of super rich, powerful, connected people that shield themselves with the term Jew and pushed a whole bunch of horror narratives to be like, oh, next they'll genocide all of us if you let them attack us, so that they use they use literally how much they've traumatized the general Jewish populace with how everybody hates you for no reason in order to shield themselves for their crimes. That's it. So apparently it was a Rothschild initiative back in the mid 1800s to start. This is going to get kind of weird to start secret societies in Eastern Europe to start convincing people a that they're 
Jewish, that they have Jewish backgrounds, B, that they should learn Hebrew, and C, that we deserve a Jewish state in Israel in the Holy Land, which wait, wait, is Jerusalem. So were, were, they, were they Jewish? Were they ethnically or religiously Jewish? Or did they just like kind of create a fake Jewish community? Ethnically. Ethnically, uh, okay. yes, they were, yes. Not religiously. That that The religious part came through the secret society themselves. But the first settlers the after World War II in into Israel were out of Eastern Europe. <laughs> yeah. After they fucking overthrew the Russian oligarchy. Yes. Yeah. So, and then we're like, "Oh, look, the Russians are oppressing us for no reason." And they literally overthrew their king, and then everyone starved to death, and they installed their own rulers because they have infinite money because the Rothschilds were like all of they had insurance bank. fraud back in the 19th yeah. century too. Don't worry. Oh, dude, they faked the way that they got so rich is that they they put out false information on results of wars. What? So that the property value. Would <laughs> I love drop. this. I love this. Yeah. Oh, dude. Property value and it would drop through the floor, and then they'd buy everything up, and then they'd find out, oh shit, we actually so, won so the they, war. they controlled the and news media. Have all this valuable property. Oh, what a what a, I I love the grapplers. Yes, this is great. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know what's funny? I w- I went into this just thinking it's like yeah, the CIA was involved. Osama bin Laden was a CIA asset. This is really sketchy. And then I started researching. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Every Jewish conspiracy theory is correct. <laughs> I love it's like not the thing I would have pinned here. that on too. Or like the two, uh, you know. It, oh, dude. Elaborate it gets on that. so much worse. It gets so much worse. All right. Let's continue should this we, quote though. We should actually though wrap up soon. And this will be our intro into the, it's like the, the preamble before 9-11. And then we'll do next week. We will do part two, the actual day. So I, I agree with Aaron because we're leading up to the actual day here. And so we've come up to, um, Mossad and uh, the Zionist agenda obtaining he's explaining how they obtained control of the security forces that were handling the World Trade Center leading up to 2011. So uh, my next bit was the dancing uh, Israelis. So we can stop right there. Right. Let's finish off this um, clip and then we'll wrap up. How did um, how how did the uh, security in the world in the World Trade Center buildings affect the uh, outcome of 9-11 i don't know how did building seven collapse <laughs> that's the okay 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 yeah. i like where this is going uh, because because they need a whole bunch of people to do a bunch of controlled demolitions well like literally so so the point of this clip here is to, to uh elaborate on the the sheer stupidity of how the ownership went from uh, pub, uh, a public controlled um, like property, the World Trade Center, owned by New York and New Jersey collectively, how that went to private and then shortly thereafter got hit by a terrorist attack. So that's where we'll leave it here. Let's let's wrap up this clip of how they obtained um, ownership of the World Trade Center. The Louder School, the head of the Institute for Policy and Strategy is none other than Danny Rothschild, this Israeli high general aloof Major General Danny Rothschild. He's also from Rishon Letzion. So I guess those Rothschilds, when they made their settlement down there, their first settlement, 
they left some children behind. And so that's the connection there. Now this man then turned over the negotiations to this man here at the top, Lou Eisenberg. Lou Eisenberg was the uh, director general, executive of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, the owners of the building. And then there was some convoluted negotiations going on with a company called Vornado Realty and Larry Silverstein. Look, there's a picture of this guy standing next to a a fucking billboard that says Republican Jewish Coalition. The Zionist connect. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, sorry. They They made the negotiations very tough for Vornado. So Vernado Godwin walked out, and then they went to Larry Silverstein. Now there's a connection here as well. Larry Silverstein and Lou Eisenberg are both board members of something called the UJA, United Jewish Appeal of New York, the Federation. This is the, funding oper- this is the funding organization to raise funds for the state of Israel in New York and the nation. It's the largest funding organization. Larry Silverstein was the national chairman, and Mr. Eisenberg was on the planning board. So there again, you see, there's this, this, there's this connection. There's this back room connection that you don't know about. Or some people might say it's not polite to talk about it. But it's there. It's real. Now, here's another connect, back room connection. Bibi Netanyahu and Larry Silverstein are very good friends. Every Sunday afternoon, they had a conversation on the telephone. For years. <laughs> this is from... What do you think of that, Josh? You're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just giggling at how it's uh, uh, coming together. It's it's like, um, oh, I wonder who this guy might be connected to. And he, he literally is. That's <laughs> So I, I didn't really take notes on the whole like Rothschild part of this bit, but it gets so insanely deep and conspiratorial that, well, it, it's all backed up by like hard evidence of like these are how these business transactions took place. These were the people involved, and the Rothschilds are there, always with the same agenda. And it's like the weirdest goddamn thing. It's so fucking weird. I'm saying that as a very non-anti-Semitic person. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. I don't know what they could possibly have to stand the game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's, let's finish this up. From Haaretz newspaper, and the, and the quote is, For years, Netanyahu and Silverstein have kept in close touch. Every Sunday afternoon, New York time, Netanyahu would call Silverstein. It made no difference where Netanyahu was. He would always call. Their ties continued after Netanyahu became prime minister in 1996. And here we have Larry Silverstein on the day that he got the keys to the, to the World Trade Center with his lawyer and his wife, and his, his daughter. And he said, I am proud to assume the stewardship of the World Trade Center, one of New York's greatest jewels, July 24th, 2001. Basically, five, six weeks before the atrocity. And this is what was left on 9-11. Nothing but dust and ash. Biblical. Devastation on a biblical scale. Okay. I think that's where we can oh, leave God. it. For the moment. There's that, that, so like, much God. more. There's so I didn't realize many... he gained control of that in two, like five weeks before yes, the attack. Yes, yes. <laughs> Somebody is just like Sorry. very small, ahead, very uh, you know, in, uh, non-conspiratorial things are so telling. Like like that. Like a lot of these you know relationships. Like some of the, the uh, media campaigns decades earlier. Like uh, it's 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 ridiculous. It's uh, the the this is. 
not I don't know it's it's not made up like some of these connections. Yeah, th- these are all verified. This is th- these are all published journal uh, published articles from reputable sources presenting the facts as they were presented in Hell, the you, time. You can find most of this on Wikipedia, like right. <laughs> Just- Books that Benjamin Netanyahu wrote back in like the eighties about their plan to dissolve the fucking Islamic states surrounding them. Like the, the, the foreign policy agenda set forth in 1948 by who to all of a sudden start developing this Israeli nation and to take land from all of these surrounding Arab countries. It, it gets even worse. It gets, there's, there's so many things about it. Up next, next week, we got the dancing Israelis with uh, corresponding FBI reports because everyone thinks the dancing Israelis is a bunch of bullshit. They, they, everyone hears about the dancing Israelis, and but you always hear it's debunked by like mainstream media and shit like that. There's actual police interviews and transcripts from their interview. They, they, uh, bomb sniffed their car they found residue of bomb material in the dancing israeli car I, I don't i don't know what the dancing israelis are um should i, should I just wait until next week oh well <laughs> just just wait until next week um yeah yeah also next week the investment bank that sh- was short sold 90 percent of american airline stocks leading up until leading up to the 9-11 attack Oh my gosh, did a GameStop back then? And the guy, the guy that owned the investment investment bank, the guy who owned and operated and ran the investment bank three years, up to three years prior to the attack, then became the executive director, director of the CIA during the attack itself. I love this. So in 1998, he stepped down as an investment banker. Yeah. Right? He got appointed to the executive director of the CIA, and then his firm that he used to have complete access to and complete control of short-sold American Was there ever an investigation airplane into manufacturers this? and no, companies uh, expecting their stock prices it, to is, plummet at... Uh, at ninety percent, guys. Everyone just witnessed GameStop at like what one hundred twenty percent. Oh yeah, that was a big so, scandal, right? Yeah, let's let's short sell American Airlines a week before nine eleven. Yeah, but but <laughs> why is it no one like a year this? ago? Um, th- there was the big scandal with I think it was the the senator from North Carolina um, who was uh, selling off stocks right before um, you know some of the the uh, downward trends due to the, the pandemic and whatnot. Um, was there any invest? It's a similar enough situation of you know inside information. Is there was there any investigation into uh, this guy and you know this the short selling of stock or uh, any sort of legal or financial um, ramifications? By who the CIA? He was wait, a fucking director. Wait. No, we're gonna get into oh. the investigation of nine eleven next week. So next week we'll also have uh, the nine eleven papers, 9/11 which is uh, includes report that. Wait, the, oh no! Not the 9/11 Commission. The the lawsuit against Saudi Arabia yes. for their yes. alleged involvement of of the attack itself. So there are court documents and subpoenas and official records from official government institutions 
and how they they themselves have been trying to cover it up uh, in regards to freedom of information requests, uh, FOIA requests for information. Apparently, the government was denying information regarding 9-11 based off the fact that the people asking for the FOIA requests didn't have the death certificates of all of the the alleged hijackers. That was one of the reasons why they, they what, refused what? to distribute public information. So if you do a freedom of information, there's a okay, lot. So what, I'm, what, I'm hearing, what I'm hearing right now is there's a lot we still need to discuss next week. A lot of exciting things leading up to the very day of September 11, 2001. Uh, and you know, the day in the following years, it's themselves. Um, any, any final concluding conclusory thoughts, Bob? for this week this introduction i i feel like fucking charlie and it's always sunny in philadelphia with like that that fucking board full of like pictures and yarn tying to like each person like i i, I told you guys i was gonna look into this because i thought it was a meme and i thought it was kind of funny and i thought it would be really funny to like look into this and then i started looking into it i was like holy fuck this is an inside job <laughs> Wait till he finds out the earth is flat. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, my my takeaway from today is uh, looking at all of these, um, you know, programming media control campaigns um, leading up to various things, uh, such as the Holocaust, 9-11, the coronavirus pandemic, and the 2020 uh, U.S. election. Uh, what I'm wondering is exactly what the crisis event is going to be uh, that leads to our giant uh, climate revolution, our giant climate change revolution. Because I, I feel like that, that's the next thing that they've been like, you know, they've had their models for forever and they've been trying to test uh, some predictions of what's going to happen or, oh, no, there's this tsunami or there's the wildfires. This uh, obviously it's out of control. We need to do something. But nothing has quite stuck or nothing has stuck quite yet. So I'm wondering what the, what the event's actually going to be and the, the year or two leading up to it what we're going to be programmed with in the media. No, we already hit it. It already hit. They're going to do, they just decided virus and then they'll say food shortage and they'll say it's because of like a place. Some place is too hot. So we can't grow food and enough. Food yeah. For everybody. It's weird. Like, Cause they're, they're going to have to plan that, um, very in a very intricate manner because like at the moment, so someone brought this up to all of us, today and they said like how weird is it that like joe biden cut that the keystone pipeline we get this huge cold front in it, like all over the world it's freezing in london it's it's snowing right now in austin texas yeah. it has been like uh, like multiple weeks where it's like below freezing close to zero degrees in austin texas and it, uh, people's energy resources are running out there. I, I saw an article saying that a, a climate um, administrator in Michigan. No, I'm sorry. Massachusetts was saying that we need to break the people who use central heating in their homes uh, in order to combat climate change. Yeah, you I saw, saw that, that, right, Josh? Uh, was that the yeah. Washington Examiner article? So they're yeah, yeah, central heating. <laughs> They're they're going to have to like spin that. What they're going to have to do is cut the natural resources, which they've already started to yeah. do. Essentially, uh, like California is already like our grid can't even handle like a, a standard summer anymore. Like we're about to start rolling, going back into like rolling brownouts, rolling blackouts here in California because 
A, PG&E has filed for bankruptcy like a while ago after admitting uh, to be guilty in like over 100 cases of like homicide with like the fires that they allegedly caused here in California, the wildfires that have been devastating the state. Even though we have no forest regulations anymore, we do not do anything Help the to situation. prevent or maintain fire regulations yeah. in the forest or anything like that. So well, I was gonna say that's one of their hoax events right there for climate change. Now, now the fire forest fires are out of control, and they just go, "Ah, oh, must be because the earth is heating up." It's like they don't have to try that hard because, dude, people are running. There are I can't over I can't stress this enough. There are people currently in the world walking around with two masks on, yelling at people with one mask on because they aren't doing enough. Yes. That's how fucking yeah. retarded and indoctrinated everybody is. You don't need to do an event anymore. They literally figured out they don't even need to do an event. They just have to say that uh, there's a virus, guys. Yeah, yeah, the flu's gone, but the vi- the other virus that has flu-like symptoms is still going. Don't don't worry about it. And everyone's like, oh, God, give me three masks to ASAP. Oh. And that's all it takes. It doesn't take an event anymore. That's how far gone most people are. The next event is literally uh, when the food starts disappearing from the grocery store and everyone just starts starving to death because so we already have the, the uh, you know, the third world country standard of not being able to heat our homes in half a dozen states right now. Um, who's to say that's not the next thing? Yeah, fucking can't feed ourselves. can't have supply lines and food because of stupid regulations that are unnecessary that, that's that's the thing with the energy right now it's it, it's it's a bunch of states where they, they uh put too much of their alliance on the limited uh, too much of their alliance on incomplete uh sources of um renewable re- re- yeah renewable energy sources and and kind of just cut a bunch of their uh the fossil fuel infrastructure and now when they need to pre- push the grid like bob was saying for california and i think i was reading you know texas and maybe massachusetts stuff, multiple states just can't fucking heat their homes right now what the fuck? Yeah, that's why that's why I'm so on board with the communal homesteading. If any yeah. if there's any good idea right now, it is literally group up with a bunch of your friends that you like, buy a piece of property, put a bunch of trailers there if you have to. Whatever. Build some structures and start growing food. That's it. Like do that. It's You're regressing really as a society and I don't like it. We're not. We're not. So it's, it's actually there's parts of it that are better. Ten years ago, twenty years ago, twenty years ago, I was like, "Oh God, we got to kill all the terrorists." Like I was yeah, just same, su- same. And, yeah. And now like, I'm looking into it, and I'm sitting there, holy fuck, the Muslims were the good guys all along. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it, it. It's really that it. As shitty as certain things got. And have and are right now. There's parts of it that are great. Uh, people that are actually homeschooling their kids now instead of sending them to what is literally a re-education camp. We literally hear in, in our re-education camps called public schools. We hear about re-education camps. We're like, oh god, that's terrible. I guess we better go uh, give, join the Marine Corps and and fight for freedom like that. We're the indoctrinated. We yep. always have been. Here we go. I found the article here from the Washington Examiner, posted on February 15th, 2021. A climate official said, people who heat their homes will need to have their will 
broken in order to combat climate change. <laughs> what a fucking psychopath. Aaron, do you have any final thoughts uh, on, on the, <laughs> the events leading up to 9-11? No, it's definitely an inside job, and this was some good, thorough research. I didn't know Thanks, a bunch Bob. of stuff, like oh. details. So. It, dude, researching this is literally like taking like two years off my life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, once once Welcome the agents find you, I know. But, you know. I I'm diving into the gravy like just like Aaron has for the past like year and a half. I'm just like just dipping my toe in and being like, all right, it's do, warm. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Time to do a cannonball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that concludes our yeah part. I, well, I, let's oh, do the voicemails next week long. because it's they're all stupid. They're all Tucker Dixon. Yeah, okay, great. All stupid Tucker Dixon. <laughs> all three are Tucker Dixon. Let, so, let's let's play well, okay. one of them. Yeah, we can we, we do one. We can do one. All right, start with the lowest number. Hey, it's Tucker Dixon. Um, I'm calling you a lot today because I'm bored at work. But uh, here's my prediction. I've been going back and uh, listening to your episodes, and here's my prediction for the election. <laughs> Uh, they're going to storm the Capitol early in January, but it's not going to change anything. And Biden's going to end up winning the whole election. So I'm pretty confident in that in that opinion. Anyway, Tucker out. <laughs> oh, he nailed it. Storm the Capitol in January. Well, prescient. <laughs> well, you might as well play the rest of his let's, voice. Now. Let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, homos, it's uh, Tucker Dixon here. I've been going back to your backlog of catalog, uh, and I've back been listening catalog. to some episodes, looking to one of the uh, one of the virus episodes. Here's something interesting. I have four separate friends who each got COVID or their wives got COVID, but they didn't. So you're telling me that this deadly virus that we have to wear 27 masks for all the time even when outside, even when not near anybody, even when having sex with somebody that you live with, you have to wear 27 different masks. But these people who were not social isolating from each other, one of them was a newly married couple. I'm sure that they were around each other all the fucking time, but they didn't get COVID. Can you fucking explain that to me? I think I'm too fucking uh. retarded. Anyway, Tucker, I'd, I'd like to remind you. Uh, sorry, we'll, I have an explanation. the The explanation is that it's it's fake. It's fake and gay. It's not it's not real. <laughs> uh, yeah. Again, uh, just for reiteration, that here's a list of things that have tested positive with the PCR test for COVID: uh, a papaya, a goat, a can of Coca Cola, a blank PCR test. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, <laughs> I love it. A person who has previously uh, tested negative not ten minutes earlier got a negative, then a positive, then a negative, and they kept counted as positive. Well, if uh, if, bullshit, if Tucker guys. is listening through our, our back catalog of episodes, I think he he uh, may 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 be at a point in time uh, where you know the the CDC's guidance and the epidemiologists' understanding of this virus. Um, was a bit more limited, and uh, per- perhaps the tests weren't being interpreted quite with the uh, the, the knowledge, the foresight that we have now, um, and, and you know the, the advancing science. Uh, so, so all yeah, this, that must be it, Josh. Oh my God, <laughs> Tucker, I'd just like to remind you that t- Tucker, so- you you are not an epidemiologist. Uh, you, you just need to um, you know, uh, 
si- be safe. Yeah, muzzle exactly. up and trust thank, the thank science, I buddy. Better myself. You're just not well educated. <laughs> last voicemail here. He's just not well educated enough to understand the science that went behind all of the lockdowns and policies regarding COVID. <laughs> hey, Aaron Tucker Dixon here. Um, I have proof that Antarctica is completely fake. Um, I'm going to send you a Google sheet. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe this PDF. Oh, can you open this PDF? Oh, my God. This is just about him saying that I don't know how to open up Google Documents because of the stupid cabin trip. Well, it, it's a good argument. Aaron, if I... So that was Aaron, never Aaron, my if question. If I were to ask you right oh. now to find and open up the, uh, the Google Sheets document... Uh, for cabin trip information, would you be able to? Yes, now I can because I somebody answered correctly, which was the search an old dog can learn. That's all new I needed tricks. to know. Praise the Lord! <laughs> Hallelujah! All right, well, thank you guys for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoyed this uh, set up to. 9-11, the, and then we'll actually finish it up with yes. the actual day. The 9-11 trilogy uh, event. This is the trilogy I've really been right for. Right here on yeah. OK, Hear Me Out. Have a good night. <laughs> this has been the OK, Hear Me Out episode 37. Oh my god. This is so much. Yeah. Yeah. Bob jamming out over there. (laughs) 